Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. I'm glad that you are here. Uh, We're doing a series in this month, short series, on being thankful and the reasons we have for gratitude and joyfulness. And so right now, this is a practice run, okay? Turn to somebody sitting near you and smile, okay? Give it a smile. Now, those of you who just got a smile, did that look joyful and rejoicing, or do we need to try it again? (laughs) Rejoicing. Sometimes we get grumpy. I don't think we should, but sometimes we do. And so... We need to think in terms of the joy that God brings into our lives. And we'll be looking at that this morning. Uh, So you can turn in your Bible to Matthew 5. We'll eventually uh, catch up there. But have you ever experienced a moment in your life when you learned something or saw something that changed your life forever? That, That moment, that transition, that you define your life as before this and after this. Uh, It made a radical change. For some of you, it was a very negative thing. You found out your spouse was cheating, or the doctor said you had cancer, or your car, you took it in for the mechanic, hoping it would be a little bit, and he said, it's dead. It can't be fixed. And you couldn't afford to replace it. For some, it's a very positive thing. Some people talk about that teacher they had back in early elementary school and that teacher who gave them affirmation and encouragement and they never received it before and it changed the trajectory and the direction of their life. Uh, for some, it's uh, you, you respond quickly, suddenly to circumstance and then you surprise yourself. You didn't know you could do that. Or you push yourself beyond what you thought you could do and you look back and say, wow, I did that, and now you've raised the bar for what you're able to do in the future. That moment when your life changes, that moment when something happens, you see or hear, well, Jesus did that with his disciples. We looked last week at how he said, hey, don't rejoice because your ministry's effective. Don't rejoice because the spiritual abilities I've given you. Rejoice that, what? What did he say? Rejoice that? Your name is written in heaven. I heard a few folks who remember that. Your name is written in heaven. That's what we rejoice about. And today Jesus is going to shift the thinking of a lot of people as well. Uh, Jesus is going to tell us that the most difficult, the most distressing, and the most depressing part of your life can be the launch pad to joy and rejoicing. If we get our focus right, and we have our attitude right, it's not the circumstances that define us. It's our relationship with Jesus Christ that defines us. In fact, I love the story of an old preacher. Guy, an old preacher visited a guy at his church. He said, hey, how you doing? The guy said, well, under the circumstances, I'm doing okay. And the pastor said, what are you doing under the circumstances? You walk in Christ, you're supposed to live above the circumstances. 
So that's what Jesus wants them to focus on in this message and wants us to think about today. The Beatitudes. Uh, this is in Matthew chapter 5. There's also in Luke chapter 6 similar teaching. In fact, uh, some people think it was one message and it was recorded Luke's version and Matthew's version. I think it was two messages. How many of you ever had your parent have to tell you the same thing twice? Yeah. In fact, sometimes parents have this ritual down, right? I mean, my siblings and I, we used to joke like dad would give us this spiel and we like, yeah, that was number 637. We've heard it before. You know? He had a whole bunch of these things that we just go over and over and over. Uh, but Jesus is repeating what's on his heart. He's sharing it. He wants to communicate it. And so Jesus is talking, and we're going to look at the Matthew 5 version of it. Seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was, to see, when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Now in Luke, it says he was on a flat place, a level ground. So this is different. He's up on a mountain, he's up on the side of the hill, and now he's going to teach down to the people. In their culture, when you went to hear the teacher, everybody stood and the teacher sat down. So we're going to try that. This is not <laughs> For one thing, I can't sit that long. And for another, you can't stand that long. So, uh, But Jesus opened his mouth and then he taunted them, saying, verse 3, it begins the message. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, you have to realize your lostness. That apart from Christ, you have nothing. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's as if God has this holy standard up there, and, and we're trying to reach it, and we can't even come close. The best of us come close. And when we recognize our spiritual poverty, then we can trust and receive Christ. So blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I don't think this means that you're blessed when you go through grief. I think he's talking about the mourning over your sinfulness. The mourning, you look at your life and you think, how did I get here? How did I make a mess? And then you mourn and you grieve over that and then you start making wiser choices. For they shall be comforted. Verse five, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Those who are not proud and Today, we have a lot of politicians who seem to think they're the answer for everything. And sometimes they're only the answer for the problems. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, but God wants to bless those who are meek. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We're hungry for all kinds of things in our culture. We hunger for food. We hunger for fame. We hunger for recognition. In fact, our culture has a very weird thing that there are people who will do things that will hurt them and hinder their life, but they get a few minutes of fame on television and they think it's worth it. That we need to hunger and thirst after the right things, after righteousness, following Christ. Then we'll be filled. And by the way, everything else you hunger after, you will not be filled. I was talking with a lady just the other day, and she was talking about her drug use. It started small, started a little bit. But you know what happens when you start using drugs? What usually happens? You want a little bit more. 
So you take some and it gives you what they call a high. And then, well, eventually your body gets used to that like it does to even regular medicine from your doctor. Sometimes they have to change it up. So then you need a little more, and then you need a little more. And some people get to the point where they take enough that would kill the average person. They don't die because they built up a tolerance. And so it's never enough. One of the richest men in the world was once asked, how much money is enough? What did he say? Just a little bit more. See, if you hunger and thirst after fame, it'll never be enough. You won't be satisfied with a million followers. Then you'll want 500 million followers. If you hunger and thirst after uh, drugs or alcohol or food, it's never enough. If you're hungering and thirsting after um, uh, success in this life or achievement in this life, uh, then it will never be enough. But when you hunger and thirst after the things of God, then you'll be filled. That's the one way to have a filling life on earth. Then he says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That's in verse 7. In fact, later on, when he talks about the, the model prayer, and he gives us what's called the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer Jesus taught, he said, if you don't show mercy to other people, God won't show mercy to you. So those who show mercy receive mercy. Verse number eight, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, your heart cannot be pure in and of yourself. It's pure when you trust Christ as your Savior, and he cleanses your heart. Uh, there used to be a kid song, Jesus Christ comes in and cleanses my heart from sin, or something like that. And, and so then your heart is pure, and you can follow him, and, but you on your own, you can't. Jeremiah said, your own heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Your heart can lead you astray. So I know all the Disney movies say, follow your heart. Uh, but the Bible actually says, follow Jesus. And then your heart will get in the right place. Verse number 10. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. One of the most famous weapons ever created was called a peacemaker. It was a pistol. It was called a peacemaker because once you pull it out, people made peace with you really quickly. That's not what he's saying. Don't be the fastest draw with your cold peacemaker, okay? What he's saying is the one who tries to pull people together, the one who calms down. You know, in, I remember in my lifetime, we had politicians who would stand up and they'd try and pull people together. And nowadays, it seems like we have a lot of politicians just trying to push people apart. The news used to try and pull us all in. There used to be a, a, a community feel, and now there's not. We're attacking each other, and, and we're, we are being divisive. And it's crept in even into churches where people will go to church and then, well, I didn't like that, so I'm gone. Or, uh, you know, I didn't want to sing that song, so I won't sing at all. Or people get very fussy. And he said, we're supposed to be peacemakers, the ones who help bring God's peace into the circumstance. So when you have the opportunity, you, occasion, when you enter the room, 
it should be a calming thing. If, if your people are agitated about something and you step in and you pray with them, they are now calmer. They have a greater sense of peace. They're more connected with God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now this next one is one that stretches us a little bit. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Persecuted for doing the right thing. We don't like that. We want, blessed are those who get rich doing the right thing. Blessed are those whose life is easier because they did the right thing. But he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. What are you supposed to do? Verse 12 says, what are you supposed to do? Rejoice. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. See, I, I want you to notice the verb tense here for just a minute, okay? Whether it's future or present tense. The way the verbs are used in here. So look at verse 4. It says, blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. When you mourn over your sin, you will receive the comfort. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse 6, the, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. So the hungering and thirsting happens first, and then the filling happens second. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. You show mercy, then you receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the sons of God. See, those are future tense. Those are things that you do the right thing now, and eventually you receive the benefit of having done the right thing. These are the people that, like the athlete who works out, the musician who practices, uh, the doctor who studies. The, uh, my, when my dad served as a judge, I had no idea they had to do this, but all the time, at least every quarter, sometimes more often, they had to go to training sessions so they were updated by all of the most recent court cases and how that could affect the rulings in their area. And so that, you, know, you put in the time and then you're able to do the job right. You put in the practice, you're able to perform right. And so all of these are future tense, but some of these are present tense. Look at verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. When you realize your spiritual poverty and you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are in the kingdom of God. You don't have to wait for it. You have to wait to see the fullness of it. But you're already in it. Look at verse um, 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Both verse 3 and verse 10 say theirs is the kingdom of God. You are already either in the kingdom of God as a member of the family of God, as a believer in tr who trusted Jesus Christ, or you're not. Those who are in the family, those who are in his kingdom will end up living with him in heaven 
and eventually the new heaven and the new earth, those who are not will end up living without him in hell and eventually the lake of fire. So we need to look at the, the terms. The, so again in verse 11 and 12, you're blessed when they revile you and persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you falsely for his sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. Rejoice because your reward is in heaven. It is. Those who are humble and poor in spirit have recognized their sin and called on Jesus to be their savior. They're now in his family. Those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now, some believers are persecuted because they're arrogant. People attack them. Some are pushy, some are aggressive, and they're obnoxious. And so he's not talking about when you're rude and people are rude back to you. He's saying when you're doing the right thing, behaving in the right way, then you're persecuted. Then think this is about those who are humble and faithful, and yet they're lied about, harassed, and persecuted. Now, verse 11 has a qualifier. He said, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you. Here's the qualifier. Falsely. Now, if they can fuss at you because you behave badly, then you're not being persecuted. There was a little boy in church who was behaving badly. It wasn't me. It's a different story on a different game. <laughs> he was behaving badly in church, and his dad picked him up and was carrying him out. What do you think was going to happen to the little boy outside? This is an older story, like 40 years ago, this actually happened. What do you think happened to the little boy? He was going to get spanked by his dad. Now, sometimes there's better ways to handle discipline than spanking kids, but this dad picked him up over his shoulder. As they're walking out of church, this little boy calls out, Pray for me, people! Pray for me! <laughs> He wasn't being persecuted for righteousness' sake. It was not a false accusation. He was causing problems and disrupting and distracting people in church. So there's another thing, falsely, and then another qualifier for my sake. See, um, you might have skills on the job. You might have somebody on the job who for some reason doesn't like you. Who wouldn't like you? I don't know. But maybe there's somebody else on that job and they don't like you and so they attack you but it has nothing to do with you being a Christian. I know Kathy Bird has had somebody attack her at work because she was a Christian. And God intervened and God blessed her and she was able to have a strong Christian testimony, even able to share Christ more with more people because of that circumstance. But sometimes people just don't like you. So if it's falsely and if it's for his sake, then he has promised that he will bless and enrich your life. There, then you will have, you already have great reward in heaven for going through that. So what does reward in heaven look like? Well, I just want to cause you to think a little bit this morning. We're going to look at a couple other passages in Matthew. Look at, and also in chapter 5, look down in verse 43. He talks about a reward. Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. All right, stop right there. 
you know, there's a um, church in, in our town that has uh, put up a, a sign that said, the only book Jesus quoted from was the Bible. But the, what Jesus is quoting from here is Old Testament scripture and rabbinical teaching. So it was the Mishnah, which was the revealed part of God's word, and the Gemara, which was the rabbinical interpretation of that. So Jesus was quoting not from scripture, but from what rabbis said about the scripture. But look what, it, so you shall, uh, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's not what God taught. That's what the rabbis taught. Now Jesus is clarifying, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. And For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect or mature in your understanding and behavior, just as your Father in heaven is perfect and mature. So Jesus said, and by the way, when they talk about tax collectors, it's not like people who work for the IRS. Um, my uncle worked for the IRS for years and years. He retired from the Air Force and then he worked for the IRS and he was talking to me on the phone one day and he said, I don't get any respect for my job. When I tell people I work for the IRS, nobody shows any respect for my job. And I said, yeah, you're the IRS, you know. Uh, but, but in their day, tax collectors could take more. In our day, the IRS has to meet the rules of law. So you can actually sue the IRS in court if they've not followed the rule of law, and you can have a judgment made against them. But in their day, that wasn't possible. And so a tax gatherer would come to you, and let's say your tax bill would have legitimately been 50 bucks. They can say, well, you owe 55. Or if you had more money, they could say, you owe 150. Because they could just manipulate the system, and they were hated in their culture. So Jesus wasn't against tax collectors. He was using it as an illustration in their culture. So look again at what he says. He says, if you, verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Now let's turn that around and say, when you love those who don't love you, that's reward worthy. When you show love toward your enemies, that's reward worthy. Look in chapter 6 and verse 1, Matthew 6, 1. Take heed that you do not your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. No reward from your Father in heaven. So he said, you can gain heavenly recognition for your generosity toward the work of the Lord and toward people in need. Or you can get earthly recognition, but you can't do both. Now, we do have people who count the offering. There's an offering box in the back. I encourage you to give. If you haven't given online, send it from your bank, then give in there. We use it wisely and to further the work of the Lord. But we do have people who see what you gave. And so he's not saying, don't let anybody ever know. 
See, the people who see what you gave are the people who have to. We have counting teams, two people, they record the deposit and they get it in the bank. We have to have that. That's a necessity. By law, we have to also have a contribution secretary who keeps a record of what you gave so that at the end of the year, we can give a statement to you. Whether you use that statement or not, we don't really care. You give to the Lord. You don't give so you get tax credit, hopefully, but you give to the work of the Lord. So that person keeps that record because by law, we have to. And then the treasurer is involved in the money coming in and the money going out. So we have at least four people, if you put money in today and your name was on it, at least four people will know how much you gave. God's okay with that. That's the system we live in. The problem here was they wanted everybody to know. So like you would come in today and say, we have this special offering for our harvest fund because we're trying to replace the sound system now. We have some... It, things that have failed and they need to be replaced and so we're raising the funds to be able to do that and you know what well this is like the guy who comes in and says i am giving a thousand dollars to the harvest fund out of my own pocket and everybody goes <laughs> that's what they did in fact you know, it was even worse they would hire musicians to go before them and blow the trumpet while they brought their gift. And they're cool, they got their money back out there and they're going and the trumpet's going and people are looking and look how much I am doing. Or say they were giving to a person. They want to go to that person. They want that person to then be able to tell them, thank you, you blessed my life so much. Oh, oh, it was nothing. <laughs> God said, if you try to get the attention of men, there's no blessing. And it doesn't mean it's wrong to give money to help people or have people in the church know that you gave because by law we have to have a couple of people know. But, but what it does mean is if you're trying to impress people, you're not impressing God. So you give generously from your heart and God will reward you and bless your life. But if you don't, you won't. And some people really like to get attention from people. I was in a church. And, ah, never mind. I mean, <laughs> now you're all wondering, what was he going to say? All right, I'll say it really quick. We were in a church, and the pastor got up, and he announced a special offering, and, and it, people were pledging. He asked people to pledge, so people would stand up and pledge what they would give, and and Kathy and I were pretty broke, but uh, but I really wanted to give, and uh, I was going to school full time and work full time, and finances were tight, and and so I made a commitment that we would give. And then after all this was done, this guy got up and he said, "You know, I could have given to take care of this whole need, but I felt like God would have everybody participate, so I will make sure we make it up over that mark." And I thought, if he could have done that with less sacrifice than what I did. My wife would have really appreciated that, you know. And Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark 9, Jesus said, when somebody gives a cup of water in, your in his name, he will by no means lose his reward. When you give to the work of the Lord, when you give to help people, and we're not just talking money, we're talking time, money, energy, heart. When you give to help other people, God will bless your life. 
In Matthew 16, he says, The Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and of his angels, and he, then he will reward each according to his works. In 1 Corinthians 3, 8, he says, Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. And in Revelation 22, Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So we, we labor for a reward in heaven. We look forward to a reward in heaven. But I want to turn this around. I want you to think about it differently because you don't earn rewards by focusing on rewards. You get that? You don't earn reward by focusing on reward. You earn reward by focusing on Jesus Christ. When you love and serve Jesus Christ. So, if you already put money in that offering box, and you put money in that offering box, they can, I'm going to get a heavenly reward for this. Whoop, there it goes. Okay, you don't get a heavenly reward for it. But, if you put the money in the box, you think, I am giving to the cause of Jesus Christ to further his ministry here and through our missions around the world. Then you get a heavenly reward for it. Does that make sense? You understand that distinction? See, we are motivated by a love for Jesus, not by a love for heavenly rewards. Striving to earn more heavenly rewards is actually a little bit narcissistic. It's, it's self-centered. It's self-promoting. It's not really spiritual. So the heavenly reward that Paul desired was simply to be in the presence of and receive the approval of Jesus Christ. That's the heavenly reward that Paul was striving for. So... Um, in Matthew 20, I'm not going to have you turn there, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but Matthew 20, and there's a story there, and Jesus said it begins like this. The kingdom of heaven is light. So he's giving us a, a way to try and connect, and then he talks about a guy goes out and he hires workers. And he starts at the beginning of the day and he hires workers. And in that culture, in that setting, he's going to pay him a penny a day. And so he hires them, and he's going to pay them a penny. And then he goes out after a couple more hours, and he hires some more people. And then a couple more hours, and he hires more people. In that culture, in that day, you worked a 12-hour day. And so at the end of 11 hours, he goes out and hires some more people. And he puts them to work, and he pays everybody the same. The one who labored for 12 hours is the same as the one who labored for an hour. Or the one who labored for five, or the one who labored for eight. They get the same as the one who labored for 12. And Jesus is saying, listen, this is like the kingdom of heaven. So, in God's economy, if you dedicate your life to the Lord, and you serve Him faithfully for one day, your heavenly reward is going to be like those who served Him faithfully for 50 years. We're not trying to stockpile reward in heaven. The reward is heaven. And so go back to Matthew chapter 5 and look in verses 11 and 12 again.
Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. Now notice what he says. Great is your reward. He doesn't say great are your rewards. The reward is heaven. The blessing is heaven. The greatest reward of your life is to stand before Jesus Christ and he smiles and thanks you for your service. This past week, our community observed Veterans Day. And so I called one of my veteran buddies, Dennis, and I said, hey dude, I'm gonna go out for a lunch on Veterans Day. Do you wanna go with me? He said, sure. And so we went to Chili's and, and we ate a, a nice meal. And people that would walk by, they, we were sitting in the veterans section. They had a section reserved for, and they had a limited lunch choice. You could choose one of six things. But, but it still, it was free. I mean, we, we gave a very generous tip, uh, but, but it was, the meal itself was free. And uh, so we, we got, and people would come by and thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. You know, and, and some people, it, it like means a lot. If people were rescued and the, and the troops really helped them and, and they thank you for their service, it, it means a lot. But some people just say it kind of like, you know, some people say to God, you know, thank you for this food. But they're not really thinking about God. They're just thinking, yeah, I get to eat. Um, and, but imagine, imagine if the top admiral of the Navy came by the table and Dennis and I were sitting there. Dennis uh, retired from the Navy. I served in the Marine Corps. And, you know, the Marine Corps is a department in the Navy. In the Marine Corps, we call it the men's department. <laughs> so imagine the top admiral. See, Marine Corps has a four-star general, but not a five-star general. There's a five-star general in the Navy, the Air Force, and um, the Army, but not in the Marine Corps, because the Marine Corps is under the five-star admiral of the Navy. So imagine that admiral came by, and he stopped at our table, and he said to Dennis and I, Thank you for your service. Would that mean more than somebody just strolling by and said, thank you for your service? Well, yeah, it would. Now imagine you're standing in the presence of the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, who says, thank you for your service. That's going to be the reward. The approval of Christ in heaven. What a great reward. So even when you're suffering, even when you're going through hard times, even when people are slandering you and mistreating you and lying about you, even when people who used to call you friend are now saying terrible things about you, you can rejoice and you can be thankful because great is your reward in heaven. As we looked last week about having our name in heaven, I want you to remind you about your heavenly reward. You are accepted. You are forgiven. 
Death is defeated. Life is eternal. You have hope. You have a home. You have a forever family. Nothing and no one can take away your reward. Every problem in your life is temporary. And you will live in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ who loves you and gave himself for you. So, exact same circumstances. You're still struggling. You're still having people tell lies about you. You're still living in a difficult culture. You're still struggling some days. But you focus on your heavenly reward. You think about Jesus. You know that you're going to be with him. You know that it could be today. The trumpet could sound. I had a friend in Texas who played the trumpet. He always wanted to do that in church. Just, you know, have the pastor say, the trumpet could sound, and then he'd blast the trumpet. And I said, you know, people could die of a heart attack. <laughs> Their pacemakers could go rockful if you did that. And, but, but someday that trumpet will sound. And even if you're deaf, you will hear the trumpet. God will make sure all of his kids hear it and then will go up to be with him. And it could be today. So in the midst of the difficulties of life on earth, remember, I have a heavenly reward. This is not the end of my story. I will see Jesus face to face. And if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to do that. Because you know what? Today could be your last day on earth. Only the Lord knows. Statistically, today will be the last day on earth for 153,000 people. You could be one of them. You need to be ready to go be with the Lord. Trust Christ as your Savior. And then look forward to that heavenly reward even when life on earth hurts, there's a reward coming that will far outweigh the difficulties of life on earth. As Paul said in accounting terms, you know, you do the balance sheet, and he said the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You're way out amazing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that great hope that we have through Jesus Christ. That we can know you and trust you and follow you. Pray that you would help us to be faithful. Pray that you would help us to learn and grow. I pray that you would help us to reach out into our community. There are people in our town who need to know Jesus. They have a desperate spiritual need, and we have the opportunity of sharing Christ with them. Help us to reach out and show love and share truth. Father, we thank you that we can be here in this place on this day and hear your word and listen to your Holy Spirit. We pray that we would make decisions, that we would follow up on this message, that we would not just forget, but that we would remember every day this coming week, may we think about our heavenly reward when we stand in the presence of Jesus Christ. In his blessing and pray. amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, 
or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.